Hello, everybody. I'm Dwayne Mancini, and welcome to another episode of the Project MedTech Podcast. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcasts by searching MedTech Money on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. MedTech Money is an interview-style podcast focused on demystifying raising and investing capital for medtech startups. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Galen Data. Galen Data is the cloud for medical device makers. The Galen Cloud provides a configurable platform for device-to-cloud connectivity that is compliant to FDA, HIPAA, and CE Mark standards. Built on 40-plus years of collective experience developing compliance systems in the medical device industry, the company's goal is to make medical device cloud connectivity connectivity available to all at a fraction of the cost while shaving months off the development timeline. In this episode, our guest, Patrick Pfeiffer, and I discussed the investment group he founded in Frankfurt, Germany, how they named their company, the podcast that he hosts, From Sick Care to Healthcare, the German medtech scene, and Patrick also did an interview of myself on Project MedTech and how we founded the company Project MedTech, our mission, our goal, and we just overall talked about startups in the MedTech space. This podcast will also be released on his podcast as well, which is why we had this format. So without further ado, my discussion with Patrick Pfeiffer. Excellent. Okay, Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Looking forward to our looking forward to our yeah. conversation. Yeah. So this is going to be um, we're we've released 105 episodes of our podcast. Um, you also have a podcast, and so this is the first time though I've done episodes where I've interviewed someone and then they've interviewed me separately. Um, and the idea of one of your colleagues was why don't you just interview each other and we'll release the same audio on both podcasts. And so this is the first time in like 110 episodes of Project MedTech. And we also have another podcast, MedTech Money. There's 80 some episodes of that, that we've ever done something like this where we're going to interview each other. So I'm kind of excited yeah, same about here, this. Same here, same here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited um, that you have done so many episodes so far. So for me, it's only uh, in brackets you know episode number 30 i've been starting this activity uh, yeah. during the pandemic you know because i was so bored in my Very home cool. office that's why i had to do something in terms yeah. of interacting with people and it's the very right. first time that i'm doing this in english language so ah yeah so so let's 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 start there so so give me a background a rundown of of who you are what uh SQVest, did Absolutely. I say that right? Um, is 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 the so this is the group you founded and, and you're the the CEO or managing partner of, uh, founder and CEO. Um, and then and then tell me about the podcast too. So I'm guessing you do the podcast in I German. Do. I do. Okay, great. Take it away, Patrick. I'm, I want to hear about exactly. you. So so, Duan, I'm Patrick. I'm 41 years old or young, depends on how you feel. Uh, my educational background <laughs> is bioinformatics, so I'm a scientist, um, and um, 
I studied uh, uh, in Frankfurt back in the days. I did a PhD thesis in the field of computational drug design. Um, so um, that was the very first time when um, I learned about machine learning and AI-based methods in our industry. Uh, and I really got addicted by that. And then um, after the PhD time, I told myself, you know, Patrick, you learned about so something about yourself. And mainly you learned about yourself that you love life sciences and healthcare. But on the other hand, you learned also about yourself that you're not the most brilliant scientist on planet Earth. Therefore, what should you do right now? Of course, go into consulting to learn about the to learn about the value chain of healthcare and to explore different stages um, in our industry. So did I move to Paris to work for Big Pharma for a couple of years. And at one point in time, I got stuck in the commercial space. Um, and, you know, the commercial team back in the days was pretty busy with, you know, building and developing and designing digital products for the stakeholders of the healthcare industry. So patient portals, HCP portals, and similar. And I really got fascinated by, um, let's say, the so-called digital health space. Um, and, you know, during different stages of my career, I always, you know, had the chance to participate in great projects uh, in the digital health space. And at one point in time, I told myself, you know, um, I need to step outside of corporate and focus even more on, on that field. And, you know, long story short, that led to the point where back in 2014 with six founding partners, we founded and established the investment group SQVest. Um, in Frankfurt, Germany, to focus on the so-called health tech space to identify the most promising ventures and candidates in different uh, disease areas to fund them and to make those technologies accessible to a large amount of patients. So, so um, I, I asked you before I hit record, but can you can you break down the name? How you came up with the name? With our company name. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, honestly, yeah. each and every time, and, and even for the Germans, I need to tell them how to pronounce it. So it's not only you, okay? <laughs> so SQVest, like S and Q, you know? So the, 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 first, yeah. the first part comes yeah. from Esculap, which is the Greek god for sanity. And then guess what, what the second part stands for, for investment. Right. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then, uh, so you have a podcast. What is what is the podcast called? Um, you, you said it, it's in it's in German. Um, and what kind of topics do you cover? Tell me about I think that. We're we're here in Germany quite good with using a lot of English terms. So it's called Deep Dive Health Tech. So I, <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I think you you can guess what it's about. Um, and in, in that podcast yeah. show, uh, you know. Till today, it was purely German, but now we're going to change that jointly. Um, I've been interviewing different heads from the venture capital scene, from the startup scene, or from the corporate scene to get an understanding of, you know, where not Germany, but Europe as a whole is with regards to the adoption of digital technologies in the healthcare space. Okay, very cool. So, so do you... Um... Uh, your 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 venture team. Um, you said you invest in 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 digital health, right? But but so so where do you invest? How large is the fund? 
how many funds have you had? Um, and do you invest outside of just Germany or Europe or, or what's your thesis? Uh, good question. So first of all, we're not a fund. We're a, we're a so-called okay. deal by deal network. We source deals individually and we fund them individually. So we, as the GPs of my organization, we um, invest into the deals and then we open it up to a large European network of investors who can co-invest together with us. Ah, understood. Very cool. So, so again, no geographical focus, all of Europe, essentially. All of Europe plus Israel are our, are our yep. geographic areas of interest when it comes to health tech companies. Ah, very nice. And when it comes, um, to, when it comes to the thesis, Duan, um, you know, the overall headline is from sicker to healthcare. And we can break that mm -hmm. down into two different pillars. Number one, which is my favorite, is detection and diagnosis. And the second one is digital therapeutics. And within those fields, um, you can still break that further down into disease areas, such as the biggest ones like neurology, oncology, and cardiology. We identify mm -hmm. technologies um, in those two pillars, um, varying from series A through series C stage. So we're quite independent when it comes to the stage because we're not a fund. And then mm -hmm. we do a due diligence on those cases. And then with our network together, we jointly invest into those companies, usually with ticket sizes ranging from three to $5 million. Ah, very good. Okay. So you're, you're, you're involved in some early stage yes, companies we, then? we are. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, far, so far we've been investing uh, into 27 companies since inception. Um, so we have quite a portfolio that needs to be managed. Yeah. Yep. And that's 3 million euros or 3 million which, USD, which is generally uh, just, to just Google it today. It's almost the same. It's almost the same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, very cool. Uh, that's, that's awesome. So are you pretty involved, um, in the clients that you work with from a, um, I guess every, every team's different, right. The, on, on their level of involvement with their, um, companies they're working with, but it sounds like from, from your side, you're, you're probably really involved, um, with these startups. Once you engage them, does that even can, does that, does, is that maintained even once they're successful with the raise? Um, depends a little bit on the stage we're investing in. So give you an, ex give an example, okay. um, and, Again, you know, we're not a fund, therefore we're quite independent uh, when it comes to the different stages we're allowed to invest in. And one example yeah. would be we've been investing into a pre-IPO uh, round of a company, Munich-based. Uh, and, you know, in that round, our stake was pretty small. Therefore, now our, let's say, impact and influence on, you know, strategic guidance of the company was way lower as opposed to a Series A funding round where our stake and our uh, our funding contribution was way higher and, and therefore also our level of involvement mm -hmm. completely different game as opposed to the pre-ipo got it um okay so i'm going to transition out of the, the 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 investing side 
tell me about the, I, I'd love to know the med tech scene in Germany, right? So, so for our, our, our listening base for, for project med tech is, is about 60%, um, us based and then another 25% European based. And then the other 15 is kind of spread out across some other geographies. So for people who aren't in Germany, like what, what are, what is, where are the, where's the innovation coming from? Where are the med tech health tech hubs? You know, I guess you could say, um, tell me a little bit about, about that and, and then what that looks like. From a European perspective, I would definitely count in the UK. I would definitely count in the Southern German area, uh, around Nuremberg, uh, which is, let's say a med tech hotspot from a German perspective. Um, uh, okay. including Switzerland. So there are, let's say a few hotspots across Europe and definitely, and definitely mm -hmm. for the entire European game, if we have a broader perspective on Europe, definitely we have to count Israel in as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then can you just maybe touch on a little bit of MDR, um, was obviously a, a big deal, right? And everyone's talking about it. Um, but I think depending on where you're from, your perspective could obviously change on it, right? And so for a lot of US-based companies, um, Europe was a strong strategy to go to first and then maybe come back and, and do the FDA. Um, now that's changed a little bit. A lot of US-based companies stay here. I'm curious on how that affected, you know, if you're a European startup, are, are you looking to go to market somewhere else? Or are they kind of saying, Hey, look, I mean, it's, it's, we're still going to go to market in Europe first and then try to go other places. I mean, have you seen, you have a beat I, on I that? I just had that discussion internally. Um, and they're still, there's still okay. two different routes, whether you're, whether you're focusing mm -hmm. on, let's say the dirty stuff at the very beginning and, you know, need larger funding, longer time, and then have it behind you. In some cases, mm -hmm. it definitely makes sense to go down that route, but in other cases, it might be, and then the devil lies in the detail, um, it might be way smarter uh, to not go, let's say the European way, stay under FDA at the moment, scale, 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 and then tackle the European market at a later point in time. So um, prob probably you were looking for a clearer answer with a yes or no, but again, you need to consider the use case. You need to consider the technology, its scaling potential, and then, you know, um, take a look at the strategy. What makes better sense for for a given venture? Actually, your answer is exactly what I was looking for. So we we get a lot of clients who are almost asking for like a black or white answer on what to do, and the, the simple answer all the time is, well, I think it depends, right? So, you know, there's certain classes where the regulatory hurdles still are actually easier in Europe than the FDA. Um, but that shouldn't be what you're basing all of your decision off of. You need to factor in commercialization and reimbursement and clinical and, and all these other things. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you gave that answer because that is what we coach a lot of clients through is to think. I can, I can this, imagine. I can um, imagine. As sad as it sounds, but we almost yeah. sound like lawyers, right? It depends. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Except we're not charging five hundred dollars an hour or whatever they charge. <laughs> Still a way to go for us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are some of the basic questions I wanted to ask, and and 
like I said, I've never done an episode like this where we're kind of interviewing each other. Handshake, so I can circle I think it's back. handshake time, right? Yeah. So, 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 so tell yeah. me about yeah. tell me about yourself and tell me about uh, Project MedTech a little bit, and then you know I'll uh, yeah. have some follow on questions certainly. Yeah, yeah. So um, much like you, I, I don't have a PhD, but I have a master's in medicinal chemistry. So I was actually in um, small molecule synthetic chemistry for. Um, just actually for just for my time at university. Um, and then once I graduated, I worked a year in the field, um, and then moved on to, uh, NAMSA, which is a CRO in the medical device space. Um, they actually have a location in Germany, um, near Frankfurt, um, like, like 20 kilometers outside of it. I forget the, forget where it is, but, um, anyways, so I worked for NAMSA for about five years in their biocompatibility, chemical characterization. Um, and then I did some, uh, technical sales for them and really worked in regulatory reimbursement and clinical trials. And, um, and then eventually ran their, um, business development efforts for their startup companies. Um, they called it MRO programs, but um, it was essentially working with their startup companies to figure out, hey, you know, the way we engage Boston Scientific and a small startup are different, right? And we have all these services. So how does a startup take advantage of it? So I did that for a while. And that actually spurred the idea of Project MedTech, which was, hey, there's, there's actually a pretty large gap from you're a small startup and you're raising maybe a seed round to being ready to engage a company like NAMSA. Um, so eventually I left NAMSA and went to Covance, which is now LabCorp um, since they've been acquired and they dropped the name change and was doing business development for them. But yeah, in, in I, I decided, you know, I'm gonna launch a podcast and try to help these startups with, you know, getting some information to them through a podcast um, you know, there were so many webinars out there. There were other med tech podcasts, but none of, none of them focused on general business strategy, right? It was like, Hey, we're going to fo focus on regulatory or focus on this. So can we merge these ideas? And so I launched a podcast and, um, uh, in, in April of 2020. So right at the height of the pandemic, I guess, um, or what we thought was going to be the height. We didn't think it was going to be this long, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so we launched the company. Um, I ended up bringing in a couple co-founders along the way. Um, and things went really well with the podcast. So we launched into some other areas. So in, in beginning of this year in January, uh, I went into the, the company full-time, um, My partner, Rich Mazzula, just started full-time in August, and, and my partner, um, Aaron uh, Tenhusen, starts in September. So we'll be a team of three full-time folks, and then we have a, uh, another partner who does a part-time with us, Giovanni Loricella. He hosts our MedTech Money Series and, and then a few others. But the way Project MedTech sits is we have a media network side of our company that um, is there for everyone to consume, right? So we host the Project MedTech podcast and the MedTech Money podcast there. So Project MedTech is is kind of focusing on that product side of things and overall business strategy. And MedTech Money is hyper-focused on raising and investing capital in the MedTech space. Um, and then uh, we do some, uh, what we call virtual happy hours. They're essentially webinars, except they're very laid back. Everyone's on video, 
We have a guest on a guest of honor. It's going to talk about a specific subject. Startups can interact. Other other people are going to pitch in on the conversation. We just spend an hour chatting about whatever, right? Our next one coming up is on reimbursement in the U.S., which is incredibly complicated. Um, and so we're just going to talk about that for an hour, right? It's pretty valuable for startups and, and they get to ask questions. Um, and then we do some in-person events. So um, we've done um, startup symposiums in uh, Akron, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. We're doing one in Houston, Texas. And um, that'll be the three we do this year. And then we'll do three next year as well. Um, and the idea for those are smaller events, less than a hundred people is what we're shooting for. Um, but very similar to like your yep. LSIs, your med tech strategists, uh, you know, any, any event like that, where it's, it's partially educational, partially networking and, and partial, just letting startups get up there, talk about what they're doing and can anyone in the room help them? It doesn't have to be from a money perspective. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we're doing those and, and then to complement that, uh, we have our consulting advisory part of our company. So that was really born out of the idea of, boy, pre-seed, seed, Series A, and even Series B stage companies, they need a lot of fractional services. Um, and it's really hard to get talent full-time in there for them. And so we provide fractional uh financial consulting right or not i guess not financial consulting but but fractional uh financial services so we'll help with building budgets cap table dilution scenarios pro formas your run rate um we'll help with investment strategy who are you going to raise money from and how and why do you want them when do you form a board uh we'll help with corporate strategy of when you hire who you hire why do you need them in here we help with the general business strategy of, hey, this is this is different regulatory strategies can work, and this is how that influences your commercialization plan, which that's influences your reimbursement, your clinical plan. So we help think through those things. Um, you know, it it, it kind of depends. Some people see us as fractional executives for them. Um, you know, within their team, we could you know be like a fractional COO or CFO, um, but. So, so really hands-on, so really hands-on and operational, as opposed to uh, you make a very nice Excel spreadsheet with the financial forecast, and then you know, yeah. uh, here, dear CEO, you have it. Uh, try to survive. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be very hands-on, right? So, um, and and again, we kind of specialize in that early early stage company. I mean, once you series b is a stretch you know we have a few companies in a series b that we're supporting, but the ones where we're really supporting a lot in all different areas is those seed series a stage companies yeah yeah makes makes sense makes sense yeah so so i i, I get i guess you know heavily us focused how how much does it play a role to prepare mm -hmm. them for outbound for you know going for internationalization for example yeah we can help with that right but but again so we're the first people to to just raise our hand when we don't know something uh and reach into our network that's a lot of our value is we have a a very deep network of people in the med tech space when it comes to commercialization outside the us right we we can help again we can help those companies 
regardless, right? In the the financial and operational expertise, um, we we do have international clients as well, so that's not a limiting factor for us. Where it does where it does get outside of our depth is for commercialization, right? Um, so when it comes to when it comes to accessing the U.S. healthcare system. We could talk for hours about that, right? But when it comes to getting a product into Germany, that's a little outside of our scope. But we do have people we could reach out to, right? And so, um, yeah. What, what's your take on um, what's your take on um, it's a, a meeting between a medtech startup and a corporate? So why I'm asking this because I observe that you know, especially the more we are talking about the digital health company the earlier a meeting between corporate and startup makes sense. So in the past, it was, you know, it was said that from a startup perspective, we try not to interact with corporate as long as we can to increase our value. And I see mm -hmm. some sort of other trend at the moment that especially in the digital space, um, startup and corporate are getting together way earlier in terms of joint uh, collaboration, joint commercialization. It goes way mm -hmm. faster as opposed to in the past. Do you also observe those kind of trends that they that they meet each other earlier as in the past? Yeah, I think it depends. We ask all of our startups the, at the very beginning, the question is, what do you want from this? Is this something you want to, to grow? Um, and then try to exit later on? Is this something that you'd be willing to commercialize? Or is this like a, hey, at the first possible chance, I want this off my plate, right? And so I think depending on what answer they give us there is the different strategies we would deploy. But you know, we, we encourage talking to strategics early um, just because there's so much when it comes to an exit or, or even working with a strategic that is out of your control. Even if you have, you know, an incredibly sexy product, um, if it's not in their, you know, two-year plan or three-year plan or five-year plan, it's 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 just not in it. It doesn't matter how good it is, right? And so um, we always recommend talking to them and just being on their radar, no matter what your strategy is around what you want to do with your company. I have another one for you. Yeah. Um, so um, when the digital health scene in Europe um, um, was about to was about to grow a, a couple of years back, mm -hmm. big question from a European perspective always was who's going to pay for the service, mm -hmm. and and you know there was always a big difference between the United States and Europe, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and let me let me just um, sum that up from from our perspective in the united states people were way more used to paying for services themselves than europeans right because europeans because europeans were embedded in you know any kind of you know um reimbursement system where someone else was paying but not them mm -hmm. now a couple of years back um we've been uh, and, and and usually germany is not the very first uh, amongst developing something new but uh, we've been launching a system called diga which is mainly a reimbursement system for um, health related apps so you have to run a regulatory process you get a stamp um, you have to run you know smaller clinical studies for, uh, for getting this kind mm -hmm. of approval and then you find a pricing and then it's in the system and the system pays for that kind of service um, we're at the very we're at the very early stages of that system, so I can't 
tell you, you know, big numbers, you know, in terms of adoption, in terms yeah. of usage on the patient side. But it's a very interesting one. And also other member states of the European Union, such as France, um, Italy and others are looking into the system. So um, question now would be, you know, could this also be some sort of system for the future for the United States or where you see, let's say, health-related services and especially on the paying side um, where you see the United States going to? Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting uh, what, what you're all doing. Um, in the U.S., there's RPMs, remote patient monitoring codes that are that are really big uh, remote yeah, RPMs um, that are really big um, and and really new and 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 but the problem is is they're not for things like um, like this one that I'm wearing here, right? So this is the Whoop band, right? And and for me, I love it. Um, I think what you're bringing up um, is 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 interesting because there are a lot of employers, um, very progressive employers, that will will reimburse. Um, employees so that they can have things like this or other health bands um, or other health apps, right, that are really preventative in nature. And you start to get into that true, you brought up sick care versus health care earlier, right? I mean, they're, they're really starting to get into the actual health care perspective of things, right, where you're trying to remain healthy. Um, I think it would it would be really interesting. Um, you know, if 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 you really want one of these types of things now you're going to pay for it but i don't think that's the debate the debate is accessibility for others who maybe can't afford to pay for something like that right and so um i think it, it definitely could be something that that at least it interests me right i don't know about the the rest of the us <laughs> and, and and you know what also the positive aspect about this podcast um is um that you know we can look into a joint future mm -hmm. when it comes to when it comes to you are consulting medtech companies that are looking uh, into the european market mm -hmm. um you know and systems or solutions like what i just explained with the reimbursement system right know, might get might get applied to those kind of companies we can definitely liaise and i can definitely liaise you with the right partners here in central europe to help your companies further yeah i think it's perfect i mean and this is you know i, I don't know i i, I want to ask you this question because um the podcast for me has generated a bigger network than i could possibly have imagined um, it's, it, it was, it was something I, I didn't really foresee coming. I, when I first started, it was, Hey, I get to talk to really cool people. I'll put out these episodes. Other people can consume them. This will be great. Um, but I underestimated how many people that I would continue to have a relationship with even after the podcast from a perspective of, Hey, when I need something, I can reach out to so-and-so right from episode 27 it didn't matter right um and so i'm curious for you as you've done your podcast episodes have you found a very similar thing where these people you're having on the podcast now become partners of yours um and people that you could reach out to absolutely same same effect yeah. and i did not foresee this to 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 be coming not at all so um you know um when the pandemic was kind of fading out. I'm not sure if we can say that or not, but it, it 
you know, it went down. Um, uh, we certainly took a look at, you know, all the, the stats and the KPIs of the podcast. And then, you know, we, we found out we have to continue to do so. But it was not only the KPIs. It was so many interactions and so many uh, uh, inbound inquiries that reached me due to the podcast. And especially not, and, and interestingly, not only from our industry. It's really cross industry that, you know, automotive, ah. automotive companies are reaching out to me, you know, ah, so this is interesting what you're doing. And I see, you know, a lot of health related services in a car in the future. Can we just, you know, sit down and, and discuss, you know, to find out what's what's the next level of health related services in a car or in an airplane or at an airport? So and their, yeah. their effects were like, wow. Uh, okay, I, I did not see this coming. This is so inspiring. Yeah. And uh, therefore, definitely, I have to continue with my show. Um, wow, that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great effect. Um, you know, my the uh, Giovanni Loricella, he's a he's a partner on our media side. He also runs a company called Lifeblood Capital. He hosts our MedTech Money series. And and he was me and him had a conversation the one time where he he had said, you know, we're asking these people to spend an hour with us or 45 minutes or 40 minutes with us. Right. And and you get to talk to him. It's it's something that people don't forget. Right. I mean, uh, candidly, I, I, there are some times where if I have a 30 minute call with someone about something, you know, I might I might forget about that years later. But if I had a podcast with someone and we interviewed them and they spent time with me and they donated an hour, it, it's 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 one of those things where, you know, now that we can travel again or we're going to different places, if I see them at a conference, you know, there's an easy something for us to talk about. Right. And we finally met in person. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with your perspective there. It is really cool. Um, we have not had people reach out from other industries though. Um, not through the podcast, at least I think for ours, you've got to be really devoted to, to the med tech industry to, to be tuning in. <laughs> no, in our case, in our case, it was automotive. It was food. Yeah. It was wow. food. And it, and it was sports. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, off topic. Are you a uh, Bundesliga fan? Absolutely. Frankfurt. Team. Ah. ah, very good. Okay. So I am not a, I follow the premier league and I follow the Italian series. Um, uh, so Chelsea in the premier league and, and uh, Napoli in the Italian series, but we do watch we are soccer fans in general, so we do watch quite a bit of the Bundesliga because there are quite a few young Americans playing um, in the league. And so we follow them a lot because we follow the U.S. men's team. So uh, I had to ask next, that. Next time, you, next, time you, next time you're in Germany, I'm going to take you out to a Bundesliga. Yeah, fantastic. I've never been to one. Um, and, uh, I, oh, and we used to watch because of uh, uh, Holland. He used to play for... Uh, Dortmund and he's just a, a stud so he <laughs> was always fun to watch um but uh okay back back on topic so uh do you have any other questions for me did I did I explain everything from the the project medtech side I think I think I have a very good understanding for the moment I think we could yeah. I think we could we could talk forever but um Every yeah. every podcast episode needs to come to an end one at one point in time. So, <laughs> a very yeah. good understanding, um, and also I think a very good bridge 
for myself when to reach out to you and to Project MedTech in the future, when it's about the liaison yeah. of, let's say, the European market and mm -hmm. health tech related tech. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, fantastic, Patrick. I, I think this was great. Um, I, I, I got the questions I needed answered um, from you. I, I think I have one more. Um, and this is more related on the investment side. So we kind of covered the MDR a little bit and, and, and the different hubs across Europe. But from a raising capital perspective, um, is it is it generally if you're a German company, like especially for an early round, like a seed round, are, are you raising from more than just German investors? Or are you raising from you know, all of Europe trying to get in maybe to to raise some money from US investors as well. I'm just curious because I think we have in the US, if you're an early stage company, like a seed company, um, there is a lot of this investing out of a local ecosystem, right? So the city you're from or the state you're from, others will go beyond, right? But I just, we see that a lot where your first initial introductions are to local investors and ecosystems. Is that the same in Europe or is it, you know, what is it like? My, my, my answer right. is twofold. So the earlier the, com the earlier the company is, the more it gets funded by family. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to steal that and from now on. <laughs> triple F, triple F, which includes also your neighborhood. So support your local yeah. hero does play well um, okay. as well. Um, this is, you know, first half of the answer. Second half of the answer is, and I founded my company because I wanted to have, let's say, a risk-taking attitude when it comes to investments as in the United States, in Germany, but in mm -hmm. Europe as a whole. And to be honest, that was a little bit naive. Um, so investing into um, European-based health tech ventures, this is still true when it comes to who are our investment partners. I needed I needed to look a little bit outside of Europe um, mm -hmm. to get investors into our network to motivate a little bit the Europeans because sometimes they're a little little bit slow, sometimes they're a little bit reluctant. Mm -hmm. So and sometimes they need a little bit of an ass kick. Um, you yeah. know, um, yeah. Maybe maybe you should take some risk like our friends from the United States, and then we have you know big tech companies like they have, and then you don't need to cry any longer that we don't. Yeah. Um, so over time we'll get there but you know i need definitely external investors uh to to motivate our european friends here yeah very cool very cool awesome well hey patrick if you don't have anything for me um we can wrap this up uh stay on for a minute i'll stop the recording and we could just chat offline super fast but uh thanks thanks a bunch for doing this i'm glad we got this scheduled and, and this was fun doing a both interview each other type of model a blended i, I yeah. loved it one looking yeah. forward to our next session yes yes thank you for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe and leave a review if you need anything from the podcast you can always contact us at info at thanks for listening and have a great day